Everybody happy? Say amen. amen. I'm happy to be home. I don't have to hit the road somewhere. Next week, I'll be in Stafford with a Saturday night concert of doing mostly gospel music and some of my rockabilly songs. If some of you are interested in some of Jimmy Dale music, I didn't bring any with me, but I got about six CDs uh, with a Nashville band behind me, and of course, I'm playing the piano and I'm doing the singing. I mean, if I'm going to pay thousands of dollars for a CD, I'm going to star on it, okay? <laughs> uh, Jimmy Dale, my, my uh, email or what do you call it else, Judy? My Anyway, so Jimmy Dale at cox.net. If you'd like to have some of Jimmy Dale music, just tell me. I'll send you one or two, whatever you want. It's only $10 a piece. I mean, that's cheaper than buying bologna. So, uh, <laughs> isn't God good? Hey, I, I, I can't tell a, I mean, I can't preach until I tell a little funny story first, but I heard this recently about a family, an older couple, um, kind of, you know, our age, and they had a routine. Every Sunday morning, they went to church. After church, they went out to eat. After they go out to eat, they go by the grocery store, get a few things they need, and they come home. Well, this one Sunday, they went to church, they went out to eat, went to the grocery store, and he was in one aisle and she was in another, and she saw this can of pears. She said, I think I'd like to have that. So when no one was looking, she grabbed the can of pears and put it in her purse. And so when she got to the checkout, the lady said, uh, ma'am, you stole a can of pears. We want it back. Oh. So she had to go before the judge the next day. The judge said, ma'am, uh, did you steal a can of pears? Yes. Yes, sir, I did. And how many pears were in that can? She said, seven. He said, well, i got to make an example of you. So every pair that was in that can, which is seven, you will spend seven days in jail. One day for every pair that you stole. And before he could say any more, the, the husband jumped up and said, Sir, can I say something? She said, Sure. He said, I just want to point out to you that she also stole a can of peas. She, she'll be in jail a long time, I'm telling you, she will. You know, all, all my life as a minister, I, I've tried to live in a way to make God look good. Uh, how, how, how do you do that, Jimmy Dale? Well, in the way I walk and talk and the way I'm nice to people, the way I try to encourage people, and the only personality that God gave me, I try to use that to make God look good. And you know, when you see Jimmy Dale mostly anywhere in the store, I'm always smiling. Why? It makes people wonder what I'm up to. <laughs> and I'm really smiling because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That means a whole lot to me. I mean, when I spent 10 years in show business and traveling with all some of the biggest stars at that time, and, and I had my own record, RCA Victor, which was a small hit, uh, Stupidest song I ever sang. 
was called Teeny Weeny. And, and, you know, and I thought, well, they got me on tour with the big stars, and uh, 10 years I left home because I wanted to make my way in music. The real reason why was because I stuttered so bad. I was so cross-eyed. You know, I didn't have any dates in high school because by the time I asked them to go, 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 it's time to take them home. So, uh, you know, and when I asked a girl out for a date, <laughs> I didn't wear glasses then. And I was so cross I did that the girl next to her would accept. And, and, and so, you know, it's embarrassing. And so I wanted to be somebody, and so I went into the music field. The only problem with that is when you spend 10 years with sinful people, you begin to think like them and act like them and talk like them and live like them. Two things I can say about myself that I think are good. Number one, when my mother held my hand and wouldn't let me go when I told her I was going to go into show business, she made me promise that I would not drink or I would not take drugs. I can say to you today, I don't know what a beer tastes like. I had all my drinks free, but I had so much respect for a godly mother who, when my dad was killed when I was 10 years old, she was left home with seven boys to raise herself. I saw that woman on her knees a lot of times. And out of respect for her, I did not take drugs. He said, well, you act like it. You'd throw off your coat and jump well, I've been hit by a car. <laughs> I mean, when you're hit by a car, you, you don't act the same. But I've always tried since I've been a Christian to make God look good. And you know, in 1 Samuel 17, there's a story about, King, about David. that I, I, I really I, It's an old story, but I, I really like it. And it seemed like one day he was in the field tending sheep. He was just a teenage boy. I would say 13, 14. I have no idea. Dr. Dan was here. He could tell us. Uh, Don, are you here? There he is. Now, you talk about a good teacher. You talk about a guy that preaches the truth. There is one guy right there that I really respect because I found out the other day that he was glad I was preaching because he said, when Jim Adele preached, it makes me look very good. And now, now, he did not say that. He did not say that. Just like the band. I was telling the band, hey, I'm so proud of you guys. Man, you, I just, I want you to know you're going to make me look good. And Josiah said, we don't do miracles. We just play instruments. <laughs> so anyway, here's, here's David out in the field. And his dad, Jesse, he, he became quite concerned about his three boys fighting in the army of Israel against the Philistines. So he called David in and told him, I want you to take these goodies to the war, war zone and give to your brothers. Now, one of the commentaries said it was weighed about 75 pounds. Now, yeah, that's a lot of weight for a kid to carry. But when he got to the battleground, he saw one thing that really surprised him. He saw this big old giant, Goliath, 
walk out and say, send me a man. Send me a man. Now, what surprised him is he found out later that the Philistines and the Israelites made an agreement. We'll take one man from your army and one from ours, and they will fight. And whoever wins, the rest that loses will become the slaves of that country. So here's Goliath. The Bible says he was nine foot six. A lot of your commentaries say he was 11 foot four, weighed between 550 and 600 pounds. I mean, he, he was big enough. Well, he was meaner than a junkyard dog. He was one mean dude. And when, he, when David heard him say, send me a man, you know what he saw? All the soldiers, including his three brothers, running and hiding behind their tent. And David asked a question, hey, is there not a cause here? What a question. Where is a person that's supposed to fight Goliath? Well, it should have been King Saul. He's the leader of that group, amen? But nobody wanted to fight him. And David said, there's got to be a cause here. And his brother said, why don't you just shut up? You're just a teenager. What, what do you know? You don't know nothing about it. So David went to see King Saul. He said, what are you offering for the man that will fight that giant if he wins? He said, lots of money. And that family will never, ever have to pay any kind of taxes as long as they live. And I'll give my daughter Rachel to you to marry. Pretty good deal. After a while, David said, King, I'll fight that giant. King Saul said, you, you, you do what? He said, I'll fight that giant. He said, David, you are a shepherd boy. What do you know about fighting? David said, well, he ain't no bigger than that bear I killed last month. He ain't no bigger than that lion I killed last week. King, said, king Saul said, come on. You didn't, king a, you didn't kill a bear and a saw. Yes, I did. How did you do it? With his help? How do you and I do anything without God's help? I can't preach. I can't sing without God's help. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I want to live in such a way that I make God look good. I can't go out and kill a giant. I'm just Jimmy Dale. And my favorite slogan is don't go to hell, see Jimmy Dale. <laughs> I have to live for Jesus in my own personality. I can't be a Kurt Gentry. And by the way, isn't he one of the best preachers you've ever heard? I tell you what, folks. That man feeds me. Dr. Dan feeds me. Ellie feeds me. And Josiah feeds me. They're all four different personalities, but they're preaching the word. I'm different than most people because when I was born and raised a country boy, and I, my upbringing was in Coolidge. Oh, that's enough to scare anybody. <laughs> but you know what? When God called me to preach, and I stuttered, Never mind, God took care of that.
He touched my tongue so I wouldn't stutter. That's a miracle. But the second miracle is my wife and our arguments don't last near as long as they used to. <laughs> they used to go on forever. But here, here's King David. Now I'm trying to picture David. What kind of a kid would have enough courage to say, I'll fight that giant? And King Saul said, how, how are you going to fight him? Let me put this armor on you. So he put his armor on him and shoulders and stuff around his waist and legs and his feet. Well, David could hardly move. It was so heavy. He said, no, this, I, I can't do this. Let me do it my way. What's your way? My slingshot. Your slingshot? You're going to fight Goliath with a slingshot? That's right. Now, what kind of a man is King Saul that would let a kid go out and do his fighting for him? David went out there. When Goliath saw him, Goliath said, What am I, a dog? That you'd send some kid to fight me? I'll cut his head off. I like what David said. <laughs> he said, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Wow, what a statement. When David went put that little rock in his slingshot, David didn't walk toward him being half as scared. He ran toward him. When he got close enough, he got that slingshot going, and when he let go of that rock, who do you suppose supplied the power behind that rock? Who do you suppose directed the rock to the only place he wasn't protected. It was God. And all he needed is one boy to make him look good. Whoa! Who is this God? The same one you and I serve. Who is this promise given to? All of us that he gave to David. Why are we so lukewarm? Why are we so into ourselves more than we are God? If we could ever get some Christians of all denominations to begin to put God first in their life, it would make a big difference in the congregation that they go to. That's a good place for amen. You blew it right there. <laughs> I don't know about you. I need a little more of God. And I go to the altar quite often different churches, not because I'm a great sinner, but because I realize I can be a better man. I can be a better Christian. I'm going to tell you something. It's not always easy to make God look good because it takes a little commitment. <laughs> I remember one time, well, just about six months ago, God woke me up in the middle of the night and said to me, I want you to go every house in this color sack, and I want you to tell them there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And you back it up with scripture. I said, God, I, I, no, no, I, God, I've been living here for 35 years. These people all know me. I'm a nice guy. I don't want them to think I'm a radical nut. I'm not doing that. Next night, he woke me up. I want you to do it. I said, God, they're going to laugh at me. They, they like me, and now they're going to think I'm stupid. Do you love me enough to be obedient? 
I wish he hadn't asked that question. <laughs> yes, Lord, I'll do it. And I finally did. I went to every house in my color sack. And I got in there and I said, I just want to tell you, I'm not a, I'm not a radical nut, but God has sent me here to your house to tell you something you need to know. And I explained to them, I know you believe in God, but let me tell you something. There's only one way to heaven. You can't go to heaven by going to church every Sunday. You can't go to heaven by giving people food on the street. You can't get to heaven confessing something that you don't really do. The only way to heaven, sir, is through Jesus Christ. And I give him John 3, 3. If a man be born again, he cannot see the glories of God. As John 14, 6, Jesus Christ talking himself, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to God but through me. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you notice the first word? If. If we confess our sins. Did you know that if is used in the Bible 1,522 times? It's usually a condition. If we do our part, God does his. If we confess our sins, we are saved. If we don't, we're not. It's one thing to confess your sins and go out and live like the devil the rest of the week. It's another thing to confess your sins and live the way Jesus wants you to live. And by the way, when somebody has wronged you and hurt your feelings, you have got to forgive them. Or my Bible says Jesus doesn't forgive you. Put that in your hat and smoke it, crack it. I'm going to tell you something. That's a powerful statement. If you don't do what Christians should do, don't say you're a Christian and be disobedient. Folks, if we could get people today, people that come to all these churches and love God as much as you love yourself. You see, your worst enemy is not Jimmy Dale or Pastor or Pastor Dan, Allie. Your worst enemy is yourself. You need to take a good look in the mirror tomorrow morning and just ask one question. What if your name is, hey, Jim, John, Shirley, Bill, Terry, Barbara? Who's first in your life? Me, glorious God. And folks, you want to make God look good? Begin to live like God wants you to live. Amen? And God came, and David threw that stone it hit him right in the head. He fell on the ground. David ran over there, pulled the sword out of him, and cut his head off. Talk about making God look good. But I got news for me. You don't have to kill giants to make God look good. Just live like God wants you to live. And I'll tell you what. These altars are beautiful, but they're here for a reason. All of us, and I'm being honest here, every one of us here in this church, we could do a lot better job in making God look good if we'd be a little more obedient. Another good place for amen. You blew it again. I'm being honest with you. There's one thing about Jimmy Dale. I'm a nut. I have fun, but I don't browbeat people, but I tell them the truth. Amen? 
continuing on in this sermon about making God look good. In Daniel 1.5, King Nebuchadnezzar appointed the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the best wine they offered them to drink. So Daniel sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was offering Daniel the whole world. Daniel could have had the best. He could have lived in the king's house. He could have become the top administrator. He could have been eaten at the king's table. Things he could never, ever expect from being a slave. But Daniel determined that he was not going to eat the meat. Why? Because God had commanded the Jews not to eat meat offered to idols. In case you're wondering where that's at, that's in Exodus 34, chapter 15th verse. Daniel knew that when God said don't eat the meat, he couldn't eat the meat even if it cost him his life simply because God said so. We usually focus so much on what Daniel didn't do. We sometimes forget that what Daniel did do. He did submit himself into a Babylon education. He did serve on the Babylon court. He did take his new Babylon name. God doesn't ask you and me to completely withdraw from the world but that you and me might influence the world and not have the world influence us. You see, the world tells you today, hey, you don't have to be a super saint. Just believe in God and you're going to go to heaven. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Satan believes in God. Where do you think he's going? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Just because we don't hear about sin anymore like we used to, it doesn't mean that you have a license to go out and sin because God will forgive you anyway. Folks, you better read your Bible. When we don't live right, that's a sin. Now, I'm going to do my best to live right, but I'll never be perfect until I get to heaven. And then when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell my wife, don't even talk to me, I'm perfect. <laughs> now, I'll just tease it, I'll just tease it. i tell you what. It's wonderful when God gives you what you need. And my wife was what I needed. She's a great lady. Anybody that can put up with me has got to be a saint. That's true. Now, the story does not end with Daniel's refusal to eat the meat. The point of Daniel's request was to show those people what God could do through the people's obedience. And according to verse 15 and 16 of the first chapter, the results of that experiment was spectacular. God gave Daniel and his three men super intelligence and all kinds of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all the king's visions and dreams, and that's according to verse 17. In verse 18, King Nebuchadnezzar interviewed these guys and he was so impressed that he entered them into the king's personal service. 
We, are, we are, as God's people are supposed to be making God look good because Daniel was willing to make God look good. All Babylon began to know of Daniel's God. In Daniel 3, the king began to have a, to develop an ego. You know, I am so wonderful. What would these people do without me? I'm the greatest thing since popcorn. Well, he had a huge monument made out of gold built to himself, and he ordered that at the moment the music started playing, the moment the trump started blowing, everyone was to hit their knees and pay homage to that monument. Oh, the horn blew, the music blew. Everybody hit their knees but three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I want you to notice what Nebuchadnezzar said to these guys who refused to bow their knee. He said, if you will not bow down and worship my monument and worship me, you will be cast into a furnace. And he said to them, what God can deliver you out of my hands. Notice the answer that three Hebrews gave to Nebuchadnezzar that's found in 3rd chapter, 16th, 18th verse. King, we don't worship people. We worship God. We are not bowing down to your image because we only bow down to the almighty God. There was no hesitation there at all. They didn't have to get together and take a vote and see what they would bow down or stand up. No. They just obeyed God and not Nebuchadnezzar. You see, these three Hebrew boys understood that, that God is after our obedience more than he is our comfort. You get that? We need to see Christians who will not bow down to what the world says. And folks, if you don't believe this world's in a chaos, you haven't been paying attention. Anytime a world gets into chaos is because when we turn our backs on God, and trust me, America is not what it used to be when it comes to spiritual things. Amen? Of course, you already know that. And when the king told these guys, I'm going to give you one more chance because I really appreciate you. And if you don't bow down to me, you're going into the fire. They did not bow down. And the king got so mad, he made that fire in the furnace seven times hotter. Seven times hotter. The fire was so hot that the first time the two soldiers grabbed one of the Hebrew boys and threw in the fire, they were burned alive. Two more soldiers grabbed another one and threw him in. Now you got four dead soldiers. Two more soldiers grabbed the third one. You got six dead soldiers. They were so close to the fire, the fire burned him up. And they threw him in the fire. And on King Nebuchadnezzar, he stood back and looked in. And he said, hey, 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 wait a minute. Did I not throw three guys in there? Yes, sir. Then how come? How come I see four? And the fourth one, he, he looks like God. Hey, guys, come out of there. 
They came out and said, what's happening, dude? Everything cool? No, no, they didn't say that. No, no. But they came out of the fire. No clothes burnt, no hair singed. What am I saying? Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to me. Sometimes God joins his people in the fire rather than keeping them out of the fire. How are you going to know about hard times if you don't go through it once in a while? God will see you through all kinds of problems. And making God look good won't always be easy. Some people will reject us, even try to bring us down. I'll tell you what. King Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed with the lives of these Hebrew boys that he said his nation will bow down to the Hebrews' God. When I made my rounds in the Colossac, Every person said, thank you, Jimmy. And the guy in the corner, I didn't know how he'd react to me. And I told him why I'm there, because God sent me over here to tell you this. When I got through, he looked at me and he said, my God, I never knew that. Can I hug you? Uh, yeah, I guess. And, and he gave me a hug and he said, I'll be coming to see you I've never heard this before. Isn't that amazing that people don't know about Jesus Christ? Hey, your kids ever see you pray? Your kids ever see you read the Bible? If it's not important to you, trust me, it won't be important to them either. You are what you display. I, told, I asked my wife, I said, honey, if you'll give me two hours a day in the Word, I want to know God better. And I'll never be a theologian. I can't even spell it. I just want to draw closer to God. And she's allowed me to spend two hours every day with God as long as I do the dishes and I mop the floors. And... No, no, that's, <laughs> that's not true, no. Just the dishes. Now, <laughs> I want to tell you something. The day I accepted Christ and my Savior, everybody said, boy, Jimmy Dale, you was on TV four times a week. You're making more money than you ever made in your life, and you gave that all up? Yeah, I gave up hell and gained heaven. Talk about making God look good. I don't remember my dad too much because uh, we had, he had 11 kids and I was just one of them. But before we came to Arizona, let, let me tell you what kind of a heritage I come from. I looked out the window on a Saturday morning and there was the John Deere tractors and the farm oil tractors and pickups all in my dad's farm. And so I got dressed and went out there to see what was going on and I heard those farmers saying to my dad, Mr. Dalbridge, you see, that's my real name, Jimmy Delbridge, but I go by Jimmy Dale so I don't embarrass the family. No, no. no. <laughs> that was the name they gave me when I recorded. But said, Mr. Delbridge, we know you're a godly man. 
But if you take your family and go to church tomorrow, knowing there's a frost coming Monday that's going to just destroy all your crops, if you take your family to church, we're not going to give you nothing if you're that stupid. And I looked at my dad, and he looked at them with a smile on his face. He said, sir, if God wants to take the food out of my kid's mouth, and you just have to do it because, you see, we worship God on Sabbath day. They walked away said, well, don't come to us. He said, okay. Well, Monday came. Sunday, I went to church. I remember sitting in the back seat of that 41 Chrysler that had three seats because we had so many kids. And Dad said, look at Mr. Snow. He was our next-door neighbor. He's hired all these farmers and getting his crops in. He won't get over half of them in. Next morning, Monday, I got up to go to school, and I looked out, and there's all these John Deere tractors again and farm malls and pickups. And my dad is backing the John Deere tractor up to the hay wagon. They took all the, the, the sides off so the farmers could sit on the wagon. And I said, Dad, can I go? He said, yes, son, you, you need to see this. That was the second miracle. I didn't have to go to school that day. <laughs> I got on that tractor. Now, here, as God is my witness, if you don't believe this, you call my brother Wayne in Coolidge, he will verify it. Every place we drove on that 160 acres, all brown dirt, across the street, whole, all the farms were just covered with frost and ice. You say, oh, that couldn't happen. It did. I had, a, I had a dad that had a lot of faith. I had a dad that told the doctors at the hospital when they ran over me with a car and took half my head off and they told my dad he'd be dead in the morning and my dad said, sir, I have faith in you but you do the best you can and I'm going to the great physician and you and him working together, my boy's going to live. You talk about having faith. Three days later, I went home. And here these farmers said, it's a freak accident. It's a coincidence. And dad with tears running down his eyes, I looked up and I saw him say, guys, if you get hungry, Come and see Mr. Delbridge because my father and I will supply your needs. Talking about making God look good. I come from a fantastic heritage and not near the man that my dad was. But I want to be better. I told God when he wanted me to ask me to preach here. I know these people. And you know me, and I'm going to preach the truth because I'd hate to stand before you at the judgment day and not do it. God, you're going to have to help me to get my message across. Let me ask you, you making God look good by the way you live and talk, the way you treat your neighbors? Somebody gets upset with you and chews you out and you don't forgive them? That is sin. I'm not asking you to come to this church and get saved because most of you are saved or you wouldn't be here. 
But if you need to get right with God, there's only one way to heaven. That is through Jesus Christ. And you could make God look good this morning if you had enough guts to get out of your seat and come forward and say, I just want to come and ask God to help me to make him look good. Help me to have a better attitude. Help me to have a better spirit. Folks, we got a great church here. And we come to church Sunday. How do you live the rest of the week? Is God first or are you first Monday through Saturday, but all of a sudden you take yourself off and put God on Sunday morning because you're in church and then take him back off and put you back on because you know it's pretty important. You're going to do what you want to do and when you want to do it. Is that really putting God first? And if God's not first in your life, somebody else is. And I'm, I'm preaching the Bible here. It's about time we quit playing church. It's about time we quit acting like we're something when we're not. Folks, you're not going to get to heaven by claiming you're something. You're going to have to live it. And I'm proud of my church. But we have a problem. We always have here at Biltmore and Renovation. Nobody wants to come and pray. Well, what would people think if I come and pray? When you're more concerned about what people think than God thinks, you've got a problem, big problem. And Jimmy Dale can't save nobody. I can't convict you. I can't forgive you your sin. I can't do nothing but point you to the one who can. And folks, God is sick and tired of us playing church. I think it's about time we get out of our seats and come here and let me just pray with you that God would help you to live a better life so you could make God look good. I try to look, make God look good because I smile at people. I go over and shake their hand. You see me here, I'm going around shaking people's hand. Hey, I'm one of the king's children. I'm supposed to act like one. God give you the same Bible he's given me. He's given you the same rules that he's given me. You don't mind coming to church as long as you don't have to commit to God. But my friend, you are going to have to do that whether you like it or not. Because you see, it's got to be God's way or no way at all. I want to make God look good. And I'm telling you the truth. Jesus said to me this week, Jimmy, don't water down the gospel because it's your church and you want them to like you. It's more important if you do what I ask you to do, not what you think you need to do. So I promised God I would. I've kept my promise. It's about time you kept yours. God wants to bless this church, but you never ever come to ask him for help. You think you can do it yourself. You can't. If the world accepts you as their best friend, it might be because you're not really showing them Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to bow your heads. I, I, I don't want any music. The Holy Spirit's here. I want to see what my church is made of, man. Do we have a church that wants to make God look good or we have a church that wants to play church? And I'm going to ask you, this is hard to do, but I want you guys, you, you husbands, take your wife by the hand and just say, you know, honey, we need to go and ask God to help us to make him look better than we're doing. We need to be a little more committed to God. Guy, boyfriend, girlfriend, take their hand and say, 
You want to be a better Christian or you want to be a lukewarm Christian? And you know what God says about lukewarm Christians? He'll spill you out of his mouth. The altar is open. How many of you have enough courage? Get out of your seat. Come on, guys. Husband, God's talking to you. We need to draw closer to God. God don't want you to play church. He wants you to come and say, I want to be more like God. I want God to bless me, Jimmy Dale. I want to be full of the Spirit. I want God to shoot, use me in such a big way that people would see that I care. Jesus is passing by. He said, do you love me? Do you love me enough to come and talk to me and tell me you want to be better? God is passing by this church. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, people. God is dealing with you. I feel it in my heart. My heart just a pumping like this. He said, Jimmy, give him a chance to make a decision. I'm not going to make a decision today. Yes, you are. Either for God or against him. Maybe I just want to pray before we close. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't do it God's way, you're in trouble. You can't do it your way. Your way doesn't work. God's way does. God bless you, sir. I appreciate it. It takes a man to serve God. Thank you for coming forward. Anybody else before we close? I'm not going to come out and talk to you. That's not my business. That's God's. All right. The rest of you, please be seated in your seats quietly and reverently. While we pray, Lord Jesus, <laughs> this is your church. These are your people. And they want to be more Christ-like. They want to be more godly. They want to act like you want them to act. You're not going to expect them to fight the giant and, 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 and be like Daniel sleeping in the lion's den without the lions even opening up their mouth. You, we, we just want to come and say, God, I want to make you look good, and I want you to help me, show me how you want me to live. I want to be quiet just for a minute. I want you to pray, and I want you to ask God, God, please make me better than I am. And if you're here and you've never been saved, you only have to do one thing. Jesus, forgive me of my sins, and you are immediately into the kingdom of God. I'll take time just for a minute while you pray. Go ahead. Help the church. Help the church. And now, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for reminding us, you know, been a long time since I've been to the altar. God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. Help me to be lovable like you are. Help me, Lord, to be real. Don't let me be a phony. Make me one of the best Christians that renovation has ever seen because I'm going to put God first in my life. I never knew the joy and the peace until I put you first, God. Bless these people. Uplift them. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Help them to say, God, from now on, 
It's you and I, and I want to be obedient to whatever you ask me to do. In Jesus' name. You see, you don't have to beg God to forgive you. Just ask, and he'll do it. Thank you, Lord, for this service. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. I enjoyed it. Amen. When you get through praying, you can go back to your seats. Whatever you want to do, and I'm going to